It's Bumblecast Mini, this time sponsored by Starmech. Here we go. Under your head, ball and chain, someone at Sega has dragged you to a secret room with no escape and told you something's shocking. You're thinking of bringing back a character from the old Sonic cartoons and implementing them into the IDW canon. The bad news is it's none other than Mama Robotnik. You're given free reign to as to how much you can edit, but you're obligated to add her in somehow. How would you go about integrating it into a game-based universe like IDW? How would you redesign her as to fit within the modern Sonic setting? I'm disturbed by the number of questions we're getting where the scenario is I am, like, taken hostage (laughs) with varying degrees of violence, and you have to make a Sonic decision. Like, I don't like this. I I feel like it's prophetic. I don't want this to be happening. (laughs) It it, it scares me, Kyle. It gives me the scare. Yeah, but it's funny, too. (laughs) It's funny to Uh, imagine. I I think that's why. (laughs) For you, maybe. Well, I mean... Yeah, yeah, that's all that matters. As long as it's funny to me. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway. I'm being sarcastic, guys. Calm down. Mama Robotnik, eh? Has to be made canon. The the Lore Initiative Council has come together, and despite my adamant vote to the contrary, it has been decided. I am overruled. Nizuka-san himself says, oh, I like Mama Robotnik. Add her in. (laughs) <laughs> somewhere john gray cackles in the night <laughs> but it's left up to me and that's where you made your key mistake there ombre because she's a classic only character so there's no dialogue and there's no real dedicated story or cutscenes, and she's just helping out her boy eggy fight that darn hedgehog so she only shows up to pilot mechs and you know what those mechs are fully enclosed <laughs> like there's a viewfinder where you can see some eyes and that's it and oh no, her first boss fight, something goes wrong. She falls into lava and is gone forever. Boom! She's canon, canonically dead. I win. Yeah, but Azuka could always just tell you, nope, she's modern. <laughs> <sighs> All right, fine. Then she's a background gag like Big the Cat. Okay. But Big's not a gag. Big is our Big is our our light. He is our he's everything. Look, live, laugh, love. Laugh is part of that. All right. Well, live big, laugh big, love big. I do. I do. (laughs) I do. A shift between the multiverses has caused a scramble of the Eggman. Eggman? Modern game Eggman and movies Jim Carrey Robotnik have now switched places within their particular universes. This only affected them, so they are stuck only having access to each other's resources. How do things go for each of them? How would... Movie Robotnik managed the much larger resources and expanses of the Eggman Empire. How would he handle Game Sonic's much more experienced and cockier attitude? Would Game Eggman adapt to Movie Robotnik's more limited yet sleeker mechanical tools? And how do you, how would he interact with good old Agent Stone? Movie Robotnik would be terrifying because Game Eggman has so many more resources to pull from. He has that kind of almost cartoon logic, limitless supply closet to pull from. So uh, Carrie Botnick is going to just be a kid in a toy shop. He will have access to all the things (laughs) and he'll be unsettled meeting a more immediately competent and experienced Sonic to be sure. But I think he would also eventually grow to be entertained by that because now there isn't 
a well, not that he ever really held back against movie Sonic, but there is that kind of arrogance that comes with, oh, I'm attacking the wee lad who doesn't know what he's doing. It's, oh, this guy knows what's happening. Then there is no compunction against launching all the things. <laughs> and beyond that, I don't see it being particularly different. They kind of fall into their similar ruts. Yeah. Uh, if anything, he might be more abusive towards Orbot and Cubot, the poor guys. As for Game Eggman, he would be stifled because he's working within the realms of the movies, which to a point are more realistically based. Like most of the egg tech in the movies is borderline sci-fi. Like we do have flying drones and we do have autonomous robots. It's just taken to a greater extreme, but most of what Robotnik did in movie two was thanks to master Emerald magic chicanery. Yeah. Like, the Death Egg robot in the movie was pure MacGuffin power. And movie, uh, Game Eggman's not going to have that at his disposal. So he would be chafing. He would hate it. He would actually have to work to put things together. He would still try, to be sure. And he would find new and inventive ways to do it. But I think he would be hamstrung in comparison. Um, how would he get along with Stone? I think both of them would just kind of be unhappy because it's not Stones, Robotnik. You know, he he loves that guy. This is this is not the same guy. Mm -hmm. Sure, it's similar, but it's not him. And likewise, Eggman appreciates having a loyal lackey, but he's just a guy. He's not a robot. He didn't make him. He's just there. And yeah, the coffee's good, but. Yeah, yeah. Well, Modern Eggman with Movie Sonic, that could be interesting. It would be more playful, I think. Like, here is a Sonic who is still incredibly powerful, sure, but isn't quite as snarky and isn't quite as self-assured. Mm -hmm. It would almost be like going back and, well, not even Classic Sonic, because Classic Sonic still has a bit of a edge to him. So I could almost see Eggman, you know, drawing a bead on him. And going, yeah, too easy. I'm about to shoot you. You need, you need to move. You need to learn how to do this right. <laughs> almost coaching him to be a better hero. <laughs> it's almost like, I guess, Nikki from the old manga, kind of. Hmm. Fascinating. A little bit. I, I don't yeah. want to flanderize movies on it. Not much. exactly. And, I, yeah, I don't mean exactly, but it's a little in a, a similar end. So, All right. I feel like I understand, but I imagine this could use a little more clarifying for others. While you're not allowed to watch or interact with fan project as to not influence your writing, how does that deviate from interacting with separate Sonic media like Sonic Boom, Prime, the old cartoons and comics, etc.? In a way, you're still watching a take on Sonic created and written by a different set of ideas from people that may not be working with Sega anymore and could also still influence the way you write stuff. How do you go about taking inspiration from other Sonic sources while not falling into the trappings of taking too much? Well, in the case of anything licensed like that, that's Sonic branded material. That's yeah. not fan content. That's stuff that has been approved by Sega, that has been licensed by Sega, that has been in some degree either paid for or endorsed by Sega. It is official material. It kind of falls under the blanket of their stuff not getting into the whole, you know, who owns what debate, but it's, 
it is material that is Sonic brand first and foremost. And it isn't, uh, it doesn't, it isn't really beholden to anyone else. Fan content is not recognized. It is not bought and paid for or utilized in any official capacity. That's largely within the hands of the fans. And I don't want to take that away. Right. And also it's more legally dubious to do that, you know, Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That's really a lot of what it boils down to. So you're asked by Sega and Napco to create a Sonic slash Tales of crossover, and they even give you the option to choose one Tales game universe of your liking to have Sonic and Friends fall into. Which game would you pick and how do you think the story would go? <laughs> I, th- I thought this one might be tough for you. Well see, I'm of the opinion that if you're gonna do a Sonic RPG, you should use the Tales of Engine. That would make like the somewhere most sense. between like Tales of Abyss or Tales of Vesperia, somewhere in there, because mm-hmm. it's still fairly simple inputs, but you can get some complex stuff out of it. It's very action oriented, but it still has a lot of RPG elements to it, so you can take it as fast or as slow as you want. Tales' it's... battle system <sighs> strikes me as a kind of slower, more simplified-ish version of Smash Brothers. Yeah, it's basically Smash Brothers, the RPG. Effectively, yeah. Which is why and it's so specified... weird there wasn't a Tails character in Smash Brothers. But anyway, never mind. <laughs> I mean, Lloyd got a costume. Yay. <laughs> but and I specified those two games because as great as Symphonia is, and that remaster's coming out soon, so if you didn't, if you hadn't picked it up on any other incarnation, you might as well grab it now. As great as it is, it does show its age a little bit. And it was the first one to go like full, true 3D. So there's a little bit of growing periods there, but it's still incredibly solid. But I feel like it's a little slow in comparison to Abyss and Vesperia. Abyss is still kind of locked heavily on the two plane, even though you can break out of the two plane fighting a little bit, which I, I like the best out of the two personally. Vesperia is definitely more open and can get crazier, but it is so slow to build to that point that it's hard to make a direct comparison, but I'm getting way off track. You're talking <laughs> about an actual crossover between games. Yeah. Uh, I'm sorry. Zesteria and Berseria. I love those games, but their combat is not really great or fun. And Arise is beloved by a lot of people, but I I don't think it plays like a Tales game. It doesn't feel like a Tales game. Yeah, well, here's me. here's the thing, Ian. You can put any battle system you want in a theoretical crossover. It doesn't have to be beholden to the one you cross it over to. I know, so, I know. So you could be I'm, like, I'm still hung up on what to use. Tales of you could say like, oh, it's a Sonic and Tales of Symphonia crossover, and use a battle system from a later Tales game. It's not like it's locked in. I know, I know, I know. I know. <laughs> um. I'm kind of torn between Symphonia and Vesperia Mm -hmm. principally because it would be really neat to see the philosophies of the the personal philosophies of Sonic and Lloyd versus Sonic and Yuri. And that alone, I think would have been really interesting to see and explore beyond that. I don't know, man, like, Symphonia has a very well-established world and lore and placement, and you could pick up where Dawn of the New World left off 
and continue in that direction. Whereas Vesperia only had the one game, but it's still pretty open-ended. You could pick up and follow those characters. And since most of the Vesperia cast was fairly independent, you could pick up and put together the party really, really naturally there. Um, I mean, it's mostly just an excuse to have Yuri and Judith and Rapide go around being awesome. <laughs> Sonic just does kind of as a side addition at this point, but that's personal bias on my end. I was going to say, well, if you have, you don't, why do you have to choose which one when you could just have both? Let's do the Vesperia, Symphonia, and Sonic crossover all in one. Why not? Oh, no, 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 no. That's way too much, way too much, way too much. No. Is it? Yeah. I don't think so. Nah. <laughs> okay, it probably would be. But hey, you know, sometimes you just got to say, why not both? <laughs> that said, Estelle and Amy walloping things together side by side. That would be adorable. <laughs> Maybe Vesperia. Uh, maybe Vesperia. I know, I know. It's hard to choose. It's hard to choose. I love characters in both of them, but man, uh, I need to actually like sit down and play more than a few hours of Vesperia. It's been way too long, way too long since that game came course, out for me you... to not touch, not get more through it, through more of it. I guess it would also be a point in the favor to have an excuse to have a Sonic Shadow fight to Fury Sparks. <laughs> yeah, okay, and there we go. Yes, please. Fury Sparks in the style of the uh, Sonic Frontiers boss battle themes. God. Do want. I do want. I very suddenly want this. In Sonic IDW issue number 53, we saw Kit having a short stay with Sonic and friends and becoming very attached and eager to please Sonic as a replacement for Surge. Do you think this constant need to attach to someone comes from Starline's mental meddling or perhaps something more rooted within Kit's own personal subconscious? It's interesting that at the lack of finding Surge, he'd quickly attach to her sworn enemy, even if short-lasting. Well, that's the tragedy of it, is we don't know. Yep. It's clearly part of Starline's meddling. Whatever he did to the poor boy, it made him codependent on anyone who is remotely authority authoritative towards him. But is that something that was already there that got dialed up to 11? Or did he ruin somebody who was independent? We don't know. And that's just what the monstrous nature of Starline's experiments were. <laughs> oh, well, you probably know. You and your hashtag knowing smiles. Well, yeah, I'm not going to spoil it here. No. <laughs> Fine. Fine. What does he know? If Sega would ask you to somehow adapt Longclaw and the lore of the Owl Clan from the movie universe into the IDW comics, how would you tackle it? Would you try to connect her and her people with the likes of the Babylonians? Would you still have them be the rival tribe against the Echidnas? And how different would you imagine Longclaw's relationship with Sonic had been? I think you could transplant that without too much hassle, to be honest. I don't know if I would go so far as to link them with the Babylonians. Um... I mean, we kind of were leaning into all avians or Babylonians thing with Archie. I don't know if I would want to do that again. I don't know if that's the best approach, but it's certainly possible. Uh, having her and the owls be rivals to the echidnas, that fits. Like Pachamaka, Pachamamaka, the call's father was like, we need the Chaos Emerald's power to fight our enemies. Well, who are those enemies? We don't know. They could be the owls. Why not make it the owls? <laughs> um and for sonic's backstory that's a big question mark right now we don't know 
much about young Sonic. So he could have a past with Longclaw and we could, you know, have her show up and it's like, Sonic, it's been so long. And he's like, oh, hey, mom, I've been doing great. Look at 30 years worth of adventures that canonically have taken about one and a half. <laughs> and she's like, I'm so proud of you. And he's like, okay, thanks. Bye. And then you're done. That's the backstory covered. All right. Well, there you go. <laughs> I mean, hey, why not? I would want her adapted to look more Mobian, though. The the whole being an owl thing bugs me. I was wondering about that. Yeah. She's got to be more nermy. God, it's yeah. it's infecting me. No. No. <laughs> no. 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 While Planet Wisp has been the closest things we have when it comes to interacting with a larger expanse of Sonic's universe, there's a particular alien territory we know yet have never been able to see. Planet Dodonpa Kingdom. How do you imagine the kingdom and, and its inhabitants to be like? And do you think Sega would let, your in, let you interact and add to it? Considering they went out of their way to allow you and the team to add Blaze's kingdom, I'd imagine a small yet still open possibility. I mean, I don't think it's impossible. I just... I have no particular drive to go there. <laughs> yeah. Get, uh, um, I personally envision Planet Dodompa as like a small world within Sonic Solar System, so that interplanetary travel makes some degree of sense. And it's just kind of like a small Coruscant, like the entire planet is to some degree a race track test ground slash machine shop and everyone in there is devoted to some level of production whether it's janitorial services or food production or resource gathering refinement building testing construction it's just one factory setting factory town setting just dialed up to a hundred with the king on top of it all because sure it's a king that that's what i'm that makes sense why not hmm that is fascinating i i would actually be interested in seeing this explored but alas it is probably not likely but let's move on what's an animal that you've always wanted to implement as a character into the comics but haven't had the chance to do so there's so many interesting and obscure animals around and given the franchise's love to bring some of the weird ones into the spotlight I'm curious to know if there's any that you would be curious to see in Sonic's art style. For example, I absolutely love pangolins, and I think they're very underrated animals. Yeah, pangolin would work. Um, I think an aardwolf would be neat. They're just <laughs> neat-looking critters anyway. And I think that crazy mane of theirs would translate into something interesting, Sonic-wise. <laughs> Why not Pottos? Because I feel like that's pure nepotism. Oh. Uh, <laughs> well, what, are you, ki- are you king of all Pottos? You're the Bumble King, not the Pato King. (laughs) I have passed my crown on, I suppose. (laughs) I I don't know how in the world you would make this work, but just for giggles, I want to see a Moon Jack. Yeah. 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 And if you're going, a what? Did did your mic stutter, Ian? No, look Uh up Asian Barking Deer. (laughs) And those three words all together, it's a real thing. Okay? And they're neat. And I don't know if they would really translate to the Sonic style, but... I mean, for pity's sake, who knew what an echidna was before Sonic 3? <laughs> echidnas, you know? echidnas didn't even translate to the Sonic style. Knuckles looks nothing like one. Son- <laughs> Hat- hedgehogs didn't even translate to the Sonic style. Sonic looks nothing like a True hedgehog. enough, true enough. Yeah. 
I mean, honest to goodness, uh, <laughs> Knuckles started my love for obscure and weird fauna. Yeah, like I I looked up an echidna. I'm like, what in the world is an echidna? Oh, what is a monotreme? Oh, what is this? This is neat. And then you know, I just crack up, crack open the uh, family encyclopedias and just look up animals. It's like, what else is out there? What other neat things are around? When elephant becomes mundane, <laughs> you know that you need to just look up stuff. So, yeah. Yeah, I remember actually doing that myself, too. Like, what the heck is an echidna? Because I didn't know how to pronounce it. <laughs> <laughs> so I did I remember like looking it up. Like, oh, okay, interesting. And that's kind of how I also learned about some weird animals that way so thanks knuckles <laughs> a question for kyle as he is more music savvy but ian can play too sega puts you in charge of picking a set of previously used bands to create character things for the idw cast tangle whisper starline surge and kit they can share a theme if you if that's easier which bands that have previously worked with Sonic, Crush 40, Zebrahead, Danger Kids, Cash Cash, etc., do you feel would fit each character? Oh, man. Mm. I feel like you'd need, like, a Endless Possibilities type theme song for Tangle. So mm. I guess that would be Jarrett Reddick. Um, let's see. As for Whisper, um, maybe... Something along the lines of Crush 40 Circa Shadow, maybe. Hmm. I don't know. I, f I feel like that is okay. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like that would work for her. The, the heavy Crush 40 sound from the Shadow era and the 06 era, I suppose. Imagine something like um, With Me from their cover of With Me from uh, Black Knight. That's kind of what I'm thinking. Um... As for Starline, it's hard to say because we haven't had a <laughs> we haven't had like a chamber quartet <laughs> do Sonic music <laughs> yet. <laughs> so that's hard to say. Um, hmm. uh, maybe I'll come back to Starline, but Surge uh, Surge is like Power Man five thousand. <laughs> um, and Kit. Mm, hmm. I guess yeah, Julian K. The yeah, the shadow, the shadow themes might fit him a little bit more. Um, hmm. Yeah, I don't know. What, what what do you think, Ian? You think my my uh, ideas are way I, off base? <laughs> I think they're right to ask you before me. Um, I'm more inclined to see Surgeon Kit get a duo theme from Crush Forty specifically mirroring the early adventure themes. Uh from okay. the thematic angle. Yeah. Um, likewise, I see that kind of happy, bouncy, nonsense Sonic Adventure 1 and 2 for Tangle. Yeah, I was going to say either that one or the um, or like the Sonic Colors, like Endless Possibility and stuff like that for Tangle. But I think either that or the early Sonic Adventure themes would work. Sure. But mm, hmm. Starline's hard to pin down, though. <laughs> he doesn't really have that style maybe hmm mm -hmm. i mean i'm kind of thinking whisper should have a theme comp composed by harry gregson williams but that's uh, a little outside <laughs> of sonic's wheelhouse yeah yeah this is in specifically you know people who i know i have know. actually worked on 
course, so, if we're if fine. we're getting him for Whisper, we could get him for Starline too. He could do something melodramatic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Otherwise, my point. otherwise my thinking would be Fumi Kumitani, who did a lot of the uh, event music and stuff for Sonic Adventure One and Two, mm. and also I think also did Knuckles' theme, some of Knuckles' themes. But yeah, there's I could see that, but I, I don't know. It, it's it's tough. I'm curious what other people would think. Um, hey, leave them down in the comments. Leave your ideas and your thoughts. All right, we're getting in the Frontier's spoiler zone this time. We can't avoid it, but we can warn you that we're getting into it. So if you're not interested in Frontier spoilers, hey, we'll see you next time. Yeah, it's nothing but Frontier spoilers here on out. Yep, yep, yep. So here we go. It's the meeting of the Egg Daughters. What would Belle do and think if she were to meet Sage? Would she feel weird to see the warped version of her father actually having someone she cares for? What would the small AI girl think of his this wooden automaton that happens to be her sister by bizarre association? I actually floated this kind of actually talked about this a little bit with Evan Stanley, and we're both in agreement that this is fertile ground. Oh yeah. Which is oh the pot there's so many possibilities. There's so many ways to take this. And we don't know if and when we'd be able to do that. So I kind of want to not get into it because one, don't want to steal her thunder if she gets the first chance. And two, don't want to potentially spoil anything because there's a lot of really plausible directions to go with this, both good and bad. So Mm. I'm going to have to abstain, but there is so, so many ways this could go. It's just tantalizing. Mm-hmm. This, is, this is you're you're gonna break hearts everywhere aren't you you and evan just going to make everybody <laughs> sob so much oh i don't know how much you can speak about them but i'm very curious about the nature of the ancients especially their connection with chaos was the idea to tie them up with chaos something sonic team gave you as a plot point or was that something created from your own suggestion and does this clash with chaos's previous backstories mutated chow or is it more of a transformation similar to the ancients rather than him being a full fledged being him fully fledged of the same race? So the ancients what came from Sega. The link to the Chow was something I pitched to make them feel more relevant to Sonic's world. I felt like aliens from space bringing Chaos Emeralds into the narrative wasn't enough. It was too detached. It was yet another alien race to be introduced and then forgotten. So I wanted there to be something more to it and of the discussions we had the lineage eventually leading to a de-evolution of the chow was what ended up clicking um as for chaos he is a chow still he is a mutant chow and that mutation is he looks more like their forebearers than the chow do nor that line has long since ended they are not you know ancients themselves it's just they are part of their legacy it'd be like if a kid today was born looking like a neanderthal or like an australopithecus or some other early hominid you know that mutation in their genes calling up long gone hereditary traits yes also if you're wondering hey you just answered this question in another episode or a similar question in another episode yes we did but uh they didn't know each other had sent the question in so case you're wondering and they may not listen to each other's things so we're just going to answer it straight both ways that's right that's right a little peek behind the curtain (laughs) and our last question 
now that the game is out and you can watch your writing being voiced by the talented voice cast, what are some of your highlight scenes that you really enjoyed hearing voiced? Personally, two of my absolute favorites were Sonic's gentle speaking during his talk with Tails and admitting how he grew up faster than he anticipated, and of course the incredibly heartfelt performance by Mike Pollock as he authorized Sage to go aid Sonic if it may lead to her dying. Absolute chills. Good stuff, good stuff. Uh, The first time you enter the fishing pond and Sonic's just absolute inability to fathom big being there because <laughs> why would he be there it makes no sense and big's just i'm fishing and so i was like yeah yeah you are buddy just accept it and roll with it <laughs> i i saw like, people that exchange was perfect <laughs> i saw people saying oh no so <laughs> they left big behind in the cyberspace i'm like well he got there on his own he'll get out he'll be fine <laughs> yeah, he's fine he's fine <laughs> I mean, he's big. He, this is traveling between dimensions is just a thing he does. I mean, like he was there long enough to already accrue enough treasures to exchange for the coins. You know? Yeah, exactly. He's, he's probably had an op there for years, and you never knew. It, don't question it. Big's <laughs> got it down. Wonder, leaving me to wonder where I, he even got the egg memos from. I don't know. He just found them, I guess. <laughs> he fished them out. <laughs> uh the callback line because when you're on the first island and amy says be careful and sock says where's the fun in that yeah and then on the third island where tail says be careful and sonic you know struggles to say the same line and he knows he's lying to himself but he's gonna do it anyway it's like yeah yep that's the kind of gut punch i'm aiming for (laughs) oh it was a gut punch i Eggman coming around to Sage as not just his creation, but his daughter. I liked a lot too, especially when he comes to that full realization and the pride he has in it. That's the rationale. You know, why, why is he so able to love and accept someone? It's because he did it. It's his creation. She is his lovely daughter because he's that much of a genius. He could create that. And he loves her because he did it. No one else could create something so brilliant as him, which is twisted and not quite healthy, but it's Eggman. Well, it's Eggman. He's, he's <laughs> yes. awful. Yes, the love is genuine, but it's it doesn't necessarily have to come from a good place. He's not a good person. <laughs> But he's he's surprisingly not a completely horrible father. At least not yet. I don't know. Who knows? Might change, but you know. I guess it's kinda like the whole Bowser and Bowser Jr. dynamic. <laughs> but not not that goofy as Mario games. The tone is a little different, but you know. <laughs> and Sage's delivery, start to finish. You know, finding that finding the balance of being reserved and detached but also having that timber of deeper emotional range is really hard to do especially with how limited her scenes were and how disjointed the progression was so to do that as well as she did is really impressive you can hear it in her voice she starts off very detached and then over time as the story progresses she becomes a bit more human-ish I suppose. Yeah, so, which was part which, of the direction, but right. it's one thing to direct. It's another thing to actually do. Right. Yeah. So. Yeah, very nicely and you're just done the, on that front. 
and the range everybody got to play with, you mm-hmm. know? And <laughs> I, I feel, I really feel Tails, you know? Tails, oh, I won't go in too much detail. I know we're in the spoiler zone, but still, I, I don't want to, I don't want to completely just kick the can over on Tails, but man, I, I, I felt that guy. I felt him. <sighs> anyway, we are done. That was it. Thanks so much to Starmech for sponsoring this Bumblecast Mini. If you want one of your own, head over to patreon.com slash bumblecast, ko-fi.com slash bumblecast, or become a comparable member over on YouTube. Bye-bye for now. Bye-bye.